morning. I want you to take them and I, I, I want you to just keep them handy because I'm going to jump around to several different places. I, I don't typically preach like this, but I'm going to move from chapter to chapter and book to book and because I have a particular thing that I want you to catch today. As you know, last week we started talking about this idea of prayer and how that prayer really is uh, it, it's not the conduit necessarily through which our blessings come, although that's true, but prayer itself is the answer. Prayer, when people, when you get prayer in your spirit, something happens in you that you can't seem to turn off because you, you realize and you understand that you are in communion with God himself. That you're not asking someone else to pray for you or even to pray with you. But you have learned that no matter where you are and what you're going through and what's going on in your life, that you have direct access to the God of this universe. The very God who created everything around you has invited you to commune with him. And when you really understand that and get that in your spirit, I'm telling you something will happen in you that will change your life. And even in the dark days, even in the difficult days, it won't throw you because you'll know that the instant that something comes against you, you can just lift up your eyes and say, Father God, here I am again in your presence, thanking you for the many times that you've blessed me before but anticipating what you're going to do for me now. Amen. Amen. A few days ago, Erlene came in and she said, she said, the checkbook doesn't look real promising right now here at the church. And I said, well, praise the Lord. She looked at me like I'd lost my mind. So later on, I was with her and she said, blah, 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 what's going on? I said, well, Erlene says the checkbook doesn't look very good around here. What'd you say? Praise the Lord. I remember a time when the checkbook said we needed $12,000 and didn't have it. But the Lord provided, amen. And so I've just come to understand that God is in control of everything that touches the lives of his people. When we learn how to pray and access the promises of God, then great things can happen in our life. But let me tell you where I am today. I just want to say to you today that my heart is more grieved right now than it has been in a long time. Not for our church, because we're in a very good season in our church. Season of growth, God is blessing us, ministries are coming our way almost on a daily basis, new families are coming in and being a part, people are talking about how good God is being in their lives and how that they're moving from one level to another level to another level. I'm not, I'm not grieving the progress of our church because God is doing a wonderful thing in our church. But what grieves me is that I am seeing so many people that are just giving up. Now, I don't mean giving up the church. I don't mean that they're coming and saying, I'm not coming to this church anymore. I don't mean that at all. In fact, if you were to go to them and if you were to say, where do you attend church? They wouldn't even hesitate. 
They would say, my church is the spirit-like church on outer loop. They wouldn't even hesitate about that. So I'm not talking about quitting church. But what I'm talking about is, is that there are issues in their lives and maybe some of you today that you've been dealing with for a long time and you've gotten discouraged and frustrated with the process and you're tired of waiting and if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself considering the possibility of quitting and giving up. And I want to say to you today, don't you dare quit. Don't even think about it. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask according to his power that works and lives in us. So if you've been thinking about it, let me encourage you today, draw a deep breath. Sit down and rest for a few minutes if you have to, but get back in the game. Again, I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about your relationship with the Lord. I'm talking about seeking his face. That's what we talked about last week. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Because those who ask will receive. And those who seek will find. And those who knock, the door will be opened unto them. How do you know, pastor? I know because Jesus said it. God said it. His word declares it. And I'm telling you, if God has spoken it to be truth, I don't care how many devils of hell try to come against it. I'm here to tell you today, God will keep his word. He will never let you down. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare give up. Don't you sit down and say, I don't have what it takes. You have everything that it takes. You are filled with the power of God. You are filled with the Spirit of God. From tip to toe, you are full of the Holy Spirit of God and able to overcome everything that you will ever face in your lifetime. So don't you give up. You just rest a minute if you have to. Take a deep breath. But don't you dare give up. You keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. You just keep on knocking. Don't quit. So today I want to talk to you about this idea of prayer and connecting it to this attitude of never giving up and not quitting. Sometimes you have to keep going even when it seems like you're bugging God. Let me tell you something. You can never bother the Father. You need to adopt that slogan every day. Every day when you start praying, say, Lord, thank you that I can never bother the Father. I'm always welcome in your presence, and I'm going to come. Amen. So today I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. Turn to Luke chapter 11, if you will, verses 5 through 10. And I want to give you a few examples in Scripture of men and women who found themselves in difficult seasons and difficult times, but they were victorious because they refused to give up. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. Now, you'll you'll recognize 
that this is part of the passage that we studied last week, but I'm expanding it some today. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10. I'm using the King James Version today. Some of you, that will thrill you absolutely to death. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Sounds like my house. Amen. Have absolutely nothing. We need to go to Myers. My granddaughters came over and ate everything I had and what they didn't eat, Ben got the rest of it. Amen. The door is now and we have nothing to set before him and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed, and so I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And so I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened to you for everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be open. Now here's the main idea here of this passage of scripture and what Jesus is trying to get across. He was saying that your needs will not be met by this friend simply because you're friends. There comes a time when your friends will say, you're bothering me at a time when I don't want to be bothered. I have already gone to bed. I've already shut the door. I've already put the kids to bed. And so I can't come and let you in and give you bread that you need. I cannot do it. And Jesus saying, he said he will not do it because of the relationship. But he will do it if you keep knocking on his door at midnight. If he yells at you and says, go away, I'm not coming to the door, you just keep knocking. I've already told you I'm not coming, go away. I've already told you, don't make me come out there and whoop up on you. Come whoop me. But when you come, bring the bread, amen. I'm hungry. I'm not going anywhere. If you got to whoop me, go ahead, but bring the bread. Jesus is saying he won't do it because of the relationship, but if you keep begging him and bugging him, he will eventually come to the door and he will bring what is needed. And what Jesus is saying is, is that if you'll just keep seeking and knocking, if you'll just keep coming, hey, the enemy of your soul is going to start saying things to you like this. Oh, you need to leave the Lord alone. You know I hate this song, but I'm going to sing it a little bit anyway. It's me again, Lord. I got a need that has an answer, something like that. I hate that song. 
Because it has this mentality of, well, I gotta go back to Jesus, gotta go back to Jesus, gotta go back to Jesus once again. Oh, I gotta go back to Jesus, gotta go back to Jesus, I gotta go back to Jesus once again. Oh, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) I just wrote that for you just now in that moment. Need to copyright that. That one will sell in Southern Gospel, let me tell you. We get this attitude I'm bugging Jesus, I'm bugging Jesus, I'm bugging Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, we have a relationship, but it's not so much the relationship, it is your importunity, your continual coming, your continual visiting. In the relationship, when you're there, I have relationships with people everywhere. I've got people that I know in California. I've got people I know in Oklahoma. I've got people I I know in Arizona. I've got people that I know all over the face of the United States. I've got people around the world that I know. And I've got relationships with them. But oftentimes, the only time that I'm able to connect with them is through Facebook. And, and I don't have that personal thing. But what he's saying is that we all have relationships, but our relationships are not going to be what will get us through the difficult times. We've got to posture ourselves for continuity in the spirit and refusing to give up and continuing to knock and continuing to seek because the scripture says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find if you knock, it shall be opened unto you. Take your Bibles and go over to Matthew chapter 15. Tell them I can't take that right now. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. I still hear pages going. Praise the Lord. Matthew 15, 21 through 28 says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. There's a lot of emotion here. Cried unto him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, for my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Notice this, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and he said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it before the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. 
and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. <laughs> oh, no, you just think about that lady. She comes and she knows good and well that she's not even supposed to approach Jesus. She's not even supposed to go to where he is. And yet she is so desperate that she tries the only thing left that she knows to try, and that is to approach the one that she believes can heal her daughter and release her from this vexation of the devil. And she approaches him, and think about it, Jesus, the first time, did not speak a word to her. He didn't even acknowledge her. How many times have you been in prayer? And you prayed, and you wept, and you cried, and you moaned, and you groaned, and you didn't hear a thing come back from the Lord. Anybody ever pray like that? And you start saying, oh, Lord, where are you? I've been praying like this for a long time now. Where are you? I thought you said if I'd cry out to you that you would hear. Where are you? I don't hear your voice. And here we have in this example a woman who was not supposed to approach him. And when she spoke to him, he, he answered her not a word. But guess what? She kept on praying. And she kept on asking. And she kept on seeking. And she kept on knocking. He said, well, what I have is not for you. What I have is for the, the children of God, the Israelites. She said, oh, yes, I understand. I understand that in your eyes and in the eyes of this world that I am nothing but a no good for nothing dog. But even the dogs get to eat off the crumbs of the table. Boy, I've been thinking about that this week. I mean, if you're eating crumbs off the master's table, it's filet mignon crumbs. Amen. It's the finest crumbs that you'll ever stick in your mouth. The crumbs of Jesus are better than the greatest delicacies that this world has to offer. She wasn't concerned about where it came from. She just knew that she wanted a taste of what Jesus could give her. And she kept going, and she kept going, and she kept knocking, and she kept asking, and she kept seeking. And guess what? Jesus finally looked at her and said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. The very thing that you've asked for shall be done unto you. And the scripture says that from that very hour, her daughter was whole. I'm going to stop for just a minute because I, I, I feel like I need to say this to some parents today. Listen, parents, I know what you're going through with your kids. I, I know how hard that it is to see your kids making decisions that are not the appropriate decisions and not helpful at all. Let me, let me tell you, I've been there, and I'm, I'm not calling out either one of my kids today, but I've raised two, and I know what it is to have some difficult days with them, and I know what it is to think that I have the answer, and I know what it is to think, well, if I try this and if I try that, and, and I also know what it is to take all that stuff upon myself and find myself so burdened by my kids' decisions 
that I can't even walk in faith myself because of the things that they're doing. And let me tell you something, there comes a time, and you're going to have to chew on this for a while. You're going to have to pray on this for a while because it's unnatural. It doesn't feel natural. But there's going to come a time when you're going to have to look at those kids and you're going to have to take your hands off of them and put them in the hands of the Lord and pick yourself up and stop blaming yourself and start, stop feeling guilty over decisions that they are making that are bringing difficulty in their lives. You say, well, but pastor, how can I rejoice? And how can I be victorious when my kids are on a path that is going to send them to hell? Let me tell you something. You can give them money all day long and they're just going to spend it on things that they don't need to be spending it on. I, I realize I'm meddling right now. And like somebody told me last week, said, you don't normally start meddling until you've been preaching for an hour, but you started early today. Well, I started early again today. Listen, you can't buy their way out of that situation. And you can't put all the processes in place. The best thing that you can do is take the stand of this little lady and say, my daughter is vexed. By the devil. But Lord, I know that if you will just say the word, if you will touch her, then she can be made whole. Some of you have to take your children that are being vexed by the devil and put them a hand in the hand of the Lord and go to the altar of prayer and start seeing them in the spirit the way that they can be and start praying for them and believing for them and asking God to send other people into their lives that can make a difference and change the atmosphere in their lives. Stop beating yourself up. Stop carrying the weight of the decisions that they're making and start rejoicing in the Lord and start believing. Oh, it doesn't look good for them right now. I know that, but God, I know you're a God who is able to turn their situation on a dime. God, it doesn't look good for them right now, but God, I know that you're able. God, I know that they're in a place right now where they shouldn't be, but God, I pray that you'll bring somebody into their life or if they're out there taking some substance into their body, God, I pray that you'll make them so sick that they won't be able to make it through the night, that they'll throw up all over the place, that they'll struggle in to their bed and that you will get them in a position where there's nothing left for them to do but turn their eyes upon you in their moment of desperation. Hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life is to raise teenagers. Some of you got little kids. Enjoy it while you can. Because when you start seeing them make their own choices, that's when the real warfare begins. But remember, it's their choice. But just because they're making dumb choices doesn't mean that you can't pray them through. It's time to be bold in the Lord. It's time to pray in the room right next door to them when they're trying to sleep. 
And I don't mean pray some little mealy mally mouth or something sally prayer, but get a hold of the horns of the altar. Say, oh God, I come to you at 3 a.m. this morning when my kid's trying to sleep their way out of this. And God, I pray that you'll touch them and heal their mind and heal their spirit. Don't give up on them. But you don't have to put their burden on you either. You continue to walk in victory. Now turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Are you there? Is it okay with you if we use the Bible every now and then? I just wondered. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not faint. Saying there was, a city, uh, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself... Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me. Do I, need to, do I need to let you know what that means? She's driving me nuts. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, Here. What the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with me, them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. And nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? On the earth. He tell them don't give up. Don't, don't worry about what the unrighteous are doing. Don't worry about the unrighteous trying to, trying to steal your victory. You just keep walking in victory. You just keep walking in faith. You just keep believing. Because God will eventually get in the heads of the unbelievers uh, and your victory will be yours even when they will not comply with what they think they should be doing. God is on your side. But I love that last statement. He said, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? See, that's what I'm talking about right now. Some of you are losing your faith. Some of you are getting weak in the spirit. Some of you are falling apart in the spirit. And what I'm telling you is, is that there's coming a day, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for people that aren't struggling and, and just barely getting by. He's given us everything that we need to be victorious. We've just got to get it. We've got to get it in our spirit. We've got to let it come alive in us. Because if we don't, and when he comes back, he won't find people who once stood in faith, standing in faith again. Stand in faith. Stand strong. Refuse to give up. 
I had some more, but I can give you one more, and then I'm going to quit. Say praise the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 42 through 45. Now, this is, this is one of those good old-time Pentecostal preaching uh, scriptures. Man, you like to just shout out of your shoes when you start talking about Elijah up on the mountain. He prays 63-word prayer. Fire comes down from heaven. He, he, and, and then the Lord speaks to him prior to that, and he says, it's time for it to rain again. Ooh. Man, I could preach right there. For some of you, it's time for you to get wet again. Yesterday, when it started raining around here, it was interesting to me. Nobody cared. Nobody said, well, I'm a little wimp. I need me a little umbrella. I need to get out of this rain. Because if I don't get out of this rain, I'm so sweet, I'll start melting like sugar. I can't get wet now. It'll mess my hair up. I can't do it. I got to stay dry. And we don't want our church to be that way. We want it to stay dry. So we don't want it to get wet. Listen, I don't want it dry. I don't want my cereal dry. I want milk in it. I want it to get soggy. I want to put, when it, put it in my mouth, I don't have to do a whole lot of chewing. I can just swallow it down. Amen. Raisins and all. Some of you, the Lord wants you to get wet again. Some of you, the Lord wants to pour out his rain on you again. Oh, he wants to put the latter rain on you and fire up that spirit that is in you so that you can be victorious again. 1 Kings 18, 42 through 45. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees. Thank God you don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah again. I lost my place. I'm still a little bit put about put back by having to put my face between my knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up. And looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Mark that in your Bible. I want to come back to that. It came to pass, and the seventh time, that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Elijah pulled up his dress. Men used to wear those in the old days, you know. Wrapped his belt around there. Started running out, ran the crazy horses. I tell you something. Some of us need to strap up our dresses. I'm talking to the men now. I ain't talking to the ladies right now. It's time for you to strap up your dress and get ready. Because when there's a little cloud about the size of the man, we Pentecostals, we want it all right now. Just somebody spit on me. 
slap me, knock me down, scream in my ear, hit me with their Bible, do whatever you got. I want the whole load right now. But what if God wants to give you just a man's hand first? What if God just wants to give you a little dab? Can I tell you, a little dab will do you, amen. Because when it's the little dab from the Lord's hand, it will be sufficient. Strap yourself up, put your Nikes on, start lacing them up because the Lord's anointing is about to be poured out on you. Amen. Just a little bit. Now, now it said... Go back seven times. Do you remember Naaman who had the leprosy? And the prophet said, go and dip yourself in the river. How many times? Seven times. Did you ever wonder why in scripture it says seven times a lot? Seven in numerology is known as the number of perfection. They, some people say it's God's favorite number. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if I could prove that. But we do see the number seven. Go ahead and come start playing. I've got a video I'm going to show, so don't get real anointed yet, but I need to quit. The number seven not only means perfection, but listen now, it means completion. Oh, I'm about to shout right now. Completion. So what Elijah was saying to him is, buddy, I don't care how many times you have to go back and look. We're going to keep looking until it comes to completion. If it happens on number three, then glory to God. Number four, hallelujah to the Lamb. Number six, okay with me. Number seven, it still ain't here. And that's where so many people miss their victory. Because on number seven, we start doubting and we start saying, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I don't know if God's going to do it again or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Would you please stop saying, I don't know. Because you know good and well. That as long as doubt is in your mind, that that man shall receive nothing from the Lord. But if you'll take doubt out of your mouth and throw it on the ground and stomp on it and start expecting the best every day. Start getting up in the morning and saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Don't let doubt come out of your mouth. Saying, son, you're going to get tired of me sending you back, but I'm telling you right now, the Lord spoke to me and said the rain's coming. And I don't know if it's going to come on one, two, three, or four. It may till five, six, or seven. But if it takes till eight or 12 or 400 or 765, you're going to keep going back until the Lord fulfills the promise that he has made to me. Listen, don't give up. Please don't give up. Please don't quit. 
so easy to start and we make a vow we promise we talked about this Wednesday night in the Ecclesiastes the writer said it'd be better for you not to make a vow to God and then break it because then God will have to curse your work that's what Ecclesiastes says so I didn't think God was in the cursing business God has a natural system that when it is combined with the supernatural will work to bring good in our lives but when we do in the natural things that will prevent God's supernatural from working in us then it's not that God's up there throwing lightning bolts down at you he's just saying there see I can't bless you now because you have you have willfully chosen to disobey my principles and to disobey my word. And because you have disobeyed my commandments, it's not that I'm out to get you. I'm not going to put something on you. The supernatural cannot work in your life when you're living in the natural. You cannot walk in the spirit and dwell in the flesh at the same time. We're spirit beings. Spirit of God lives in us. So every moment of every day, I am striving to walk in the spirit. So I don't know, Pastor, I just don't know if I can do it or not. You can I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because it is no longer I that live, (laughs) but it is Christ who lives in me. So the life that I now live is not a life in the flesh, but it is life in the Spirit. When you want to give up and quit, you look at the devil and say, I can't because my pastor told me I can't. You just tell him. My my pastor said, I can't quit this week. Let me tell you something. The Lord God Almighty outranks me and he's telling all of you, don't you dare. Don't you dare give up. I don't care how bad it hurts you. I don't care how much pain you're in. I don't care how difficult it may seem. Don't give up because victory is right around the corner. Darken the lights, if you will, and watch this little video as we close this morning. My big worry was the the heat and the humidity. You just try to to put it aside and just concentrate on your race. My head and everything was still functioning. I I knew where I had to go and through dehydration, your body cramps up. I kind of told myself, try to keep running, try to stay upright. My muscles just didn't respond.
I knew if I would stop or sit down, that would be the end of it. I just was determined to make it to that finish line. Some of you in the spirit are like this lady who was dehydrated and thought she could never make it, but she kept on going. That's what you have to do in the spirit. When it seems like that even your own body and mind is not responding as it should, you just have to say, I will not. I will not. I will not give up. Now, if you're here in this building this morning and you've thought of quitting and maybe you have quit, maybe there's something that you decided that you were going to do for the Lord. Maybe you decided that you were going to start doing this or start doing that and you started and then it got hard and it got difficult and you quit. Or maybe you started your relationship with the Lord and you just seemingly could not stay up. Some of you have been asking the Lord for something for many, many years and just got to the place where you stopped asking because it got too hard to ask anymore. If that's you today, if you've thought about quitting, if you've thought about giving up in any realm or area of your life, I want you to just stand up right where you are. You don't have to come down front. You just stand up right where you are. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you on behalf of these who are standing in this auditorium today. I don't know what they're wrestling with. I have no knowledge of the circumstances that they're facing. I only know by their own admission that they're in a place of struggle and difficulty and it seems like quitting and giving up is the best option Lord I pray right now that their minds would be captured by the spirit of the living God that lives within 
that they would take their thoughts captive. They have the authority to do that. You have given them the authority to do that. And I pray, Lord, that the next time they are tempted to give up or the next time that they are tempted to succumb to that action or that attitude, I pray that you would allow the Spirit of God to rise within them and give them the courage and the strength and the authority to overtake that temptation and to move out of it and into the victory that you have for them. I ask it in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God I call it done in Jesus name now those of you who are standing throw throw your hands up in the air and say Lord I thank you that you have heard my cry you've heard my prayer and the answer is on